Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. This seventh episode is for the week of June 11th, 2018. So let's break it down a bit. Here's what to expect. The goal is to help guide and prepare you for the utmost awareness of the energy in the moment. For if you use the energy consciously, it has a better chance of working for you. I'll kick off the show with a weekly astro report, along with a few tarot polls and our animal ambassador of the week. Then a guest will join me in conversation around a chosen topic. This week, I'm so happy to have my new friend, fellow astrology nerd and big Leo lion cat of a personality, Jack Marsh, join me in a discussion on post-UAC 2018 and the new moon in Gemini. So before we get started here, please remember, as always, take what resonates and leave the rest, because only you know you best. So thank you so much for joining me today, and if you'd like to show appreciation for my work and get early Sunday access for only $1 per month, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. After two weeks off, I'm certainly excited to get back to podcasting here, so let's get down to this week's Astro Report. Our lunar lady starts out the week in the tail end of her waning cycle, moving from stable Taurus into the intellectual double-bodied sign of Gemini on Monday, where she will then head to a new moon conjunction on Wednesday. She then begins her waxing cycle and moves into sensitive Cancer on Thursday, She continues to grow in light as she makes her way into loving Leo on Saturday and where she will remain for the rest of the weekend. So just a quick heads up, all times are approximate, excuse me, approximations for North America. So if you live in Europe at about eight hours, and if you are in Australia or the East at about 17 hours, basically the following day. Keep in mind that timing isn't always precise as astrological transits, uh, aka the connections that planets make, have varied emphasis as they apply and separate. So it's quite possible to feel the energy sooner or later than the exact moment of contact. This week has a lovely new moon in Gemini where we will be starting a whole new lunar cycle with an opportunity for a fresh perspective. There are some challenging aspects to the week with Venus squaring off with Uranus and Mercury in a tug of war with Saturn, but by the end of the week, I think we will be feeling pretty good. So let's dive in. So on Monday, we start out the week with the moon in Taurus, uh, and she'll move to Gemini very late in the day, um, especially here on the Pacific coast. Uh, She will sextile Neptune, trine Pluto, and sextile Venus. Um, And so we're in the waning cycle of the moon right now. So uh, basically everything's kind of winding down and we're going within. Um, Because that moon is in Taurus, we may seek to have a little comfort in our lives. Um, And which is perfect because being an earth sign, um, 
at the end of a waning cycle of the moon, it's basically the time to finish up any projects that might still need some attention or need to be completed. Um, and because we have this fixed moon in Taurus, uh, I feel that we are going to be purposeful and driven right now to kind of get that job done. So if you have anything left in arrears on Monday, uh, now's the time to attend to that. Uh, slow and steady runs the wet race and just, you know, take your time and get what is done, what needs to be done, done. Um, and so for the bottom line for Monday is dreams may be vivid the night before and give opportunity to bring up deep healing because we do have that sextile to Neptune uh, and that trying to Pluto. So finish up the practical needs of the day and then settle in for some social leisure and or relaxation in the evening. Um, so I have a feeling Monday will be a pretty good day. On Tuesday, the moon is now officially in Gemini and will trine Mars a little later in the day. Um, and we also have Mercury, who is going to be moving into Cancer that day. Um, so, you know, once Mercury, Mercury spent some time in Gemini now, last handful of weeks, uh, which Mercury likes to be in Gemini. So now moving to Cancer, um, you know, things such as our thought processes and communications and uh, how re uh, information is related to other people. Those, you know, ideas, aspirations, innovations are basically going to be uh, tinged with a little bit of a moon energy, you know, being in Cancer. So Mercury, you can think of Mercury as mingling with the moon <laughs> at this point. Um, so now's the time to basically nurture the ideas and um, innovative things that we have going on and nurture conversation with others. Um, so thinking is likely to become more su subjective and emotionally based while in the sign of the crab, just so you know. <laughs> that's, that's the thing is when Mercury mingles with the moon, of course, we're going to get some feeling um, into those communications. So it's kind of have more, we're going to be uh, relaying information and communicating with others on a more like a lunar level or more instinctual type of feeling response. Um, so hence why we get a little more subjective or emotional when the, when Mercury is in cancer. Uh, so reason is not necessarily at its strongest in this sign, um, yet our innate intuition will be more prominent. Um, so, you know, this is a great time to share your feelings as well as the opportunity for nurturing communications that arise. Um, Mercury is going to be in cancer until June 28th, uh, just so you know. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to have Mercury mingling with that moon. And so the bottom line for Tuesday is the day is active mentally and socially with ideas and notions whizzing in and out of our emotional consciousness with that Gemini moon. Uh, it's a great day to journal and prep your intentions for tomorrow's new moon as the mind is very active right now and the feelings um, a bit wise as we move into cancer. So on Wednesday, uh, we have our new moon in Gemini, and this new moon is going to be squaring Neptune um, and obviously conjuncting the sun because that's what gives us a new moon. Um, and so the new moon is basically, when we have a new moon, it's a whole start to a new lunar cycle where, where we're kind of, and especially in Gemini, we can now test out our ideas and inspirations uh, while also shifting into a new perspective. Um, and since energy is just beginning to birth now, you're going to want to look at what it is you want to plant at this time. You know, what do you want to seed down, especially with your ideas? Because Gemini is... Um, 
known for the you know intellectual phase what what's stirring around in in our minds that need to be then uh, developed to and initiated to come into real life um, so I'm thinking that this new moon is going to have a very you know, intellectual thought driven vibe to it. Uh, and it's time to start taking our ideas seriously, um, so that we can get those out there into the world. Um, and because this is in a mutable sign, uh, a double body sign, we're likely in transition. So let's think of using this lunar cycle to kind of step out of one area of our life and into another. So until we have that new moon in Cancer next month, uh, where we're, we're going to be initiating new beginnings, new conditions, et cetera, like that, you can you can think of this new moon as more of a transitional phase. And that's why ideas are so great. So we can now really gain new perspective and develop what's um, intellectually stirring in our heads before we fully initiate into uh, action once we have that cancer new moon. Um, and so, of course, we're going to be talking about this a little bit later with my special guest, Jack, um, who is happens to be a double Gemini. So we're going to get a little insight into, you know, what, do, what does Gemini mean, especially when you're a double Gemini. <laughs> so I have a feeling he's going to have some interesting insights for this, this moon. Um, and as always, uh, I write an article each month, um, well, two articles on the moon cycle. So if you want to check out my write-up on energeticprinciples.com, you can find out some more information like the Sabian symbol um, and just more detailed approach that I will have written out. And also I have my moon horoscopes up on Patreon uh, that you can read your sun and your rising sign if you are a uh, a subscriber. And that starts at $3 per month. So if you're interested, go uh, check that out at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. So also that day, besides us having our new moon in Gemini, we have two other things that are going to be happening. Uh, we have Mercury, who's going to be in a sextile to Uranus. And we also have Venus moving into Leo. Um, and so with Mercury in a sextile to Uranus, we basically have once again that mercurial function, you know, collecting information, processing it, distributing it, phone calls, communications, letters, emails, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and a sextile is a, an aspect that creates opportunities or helps us open the door to something. It just doesn't happen, but you can take the uh, initiative um, to put it in place, basically. And so Mercury in a sextile to Uranus, which is the planet of, you know, kind of fast, unexpected change, turnarounds, an awakening of some sort, uh, fresh insights, or like the desire for freedom, um, we are going to have the opportunity to initiate new ideas that can help shake up our fixed routines or our rigid proclivities in some way. Uh, so I have a feeling that this is going to be a very kind of electric type of aspect that we can tap into during this new moon. Um, so I see this as a day of kind of eye-opening and new discoveries, perhaps, uh, with some communications and interactions, uh, probably not going as planned, because whenever Uranus is involved, that seems to happen. Uh, but I feel like that's okay, because, you know, we might need a breath of fresh air to help liven us up a bit, especially with this Gemini new moon. So it's likely to be an excellent time to problem solve uh, using your intuitive faculties. Um, for if there's a solution to some problem that has been eluding you, uh, today might be the, the time that the answer just seemingly pops out of nowhere. 
So kind of be receptive to what comes in right now. Um, and if you find yourself emotionally reactive or stubborn in some way to you know the unexpected changes or things that are happening or communications that are coming in, um, look to gain new insight on what uh, you know, feeling-based thinking might be holding you back from allowing those life gears to switch in some way. Uh, so kind of aim to change your perspective rather than the situation, if that makes sense. Um, and then we have Venus who's moving into Leo. So we can think of that as Venus is going to be mingling with the sun because the sun rules the sign of Leo. Um, and so Venus, as our planet of relating and leisure and, you know, more receptive, feminine type of qualities, I have a feeling our, our relationships and just relating with others in general is going to be injected with some solar energy. Um, and chances are interactions with others will become more passionate, more loving, um, and potentially dramatic over the next coming weeks. Um, just because with with Leo, chances are some drama comes in, but we love him for it, so it's okay. Um, so, you know, basically Leo loves to love and be loved, so chances are a lot of us will be hoping to receive some, you know, appreciation now that Venus is in the sign of the lion. Um, both Venus and Leo love a little leisure, so be sure to, you know, allow for some play time and a cat nap from time to time, um, but not too much as we can't be lazy kitties by the fire all the time. Uh, but this can, you know, also be a very creative period as our receptive energy can connect with an area of our charts that brings in, um, you know, that greater solar purpose and, and fulfillment. So open up to whatever authentic roar is kind of arising within you now. Um, and you can help nurture that and connect with the heart a little bit more. So Venus is going to be in Leo until July 9th, and then it will move into Virgo. Uh, and July 9th just happens to be my birthday. So <laughs> what a, what a lovely, uh, shift. Um, all right. So to the bottom line for Wednesday, there's a lot going on there. Uh, it seems that we are beginning a new cycle set in giving our ideas a go. We are just in the infant stages, so no need to rock it ahead. Take the time to sort through any insights that come through, especially with that Mercury sextile Uranus, um, and then gain fresh perspective on how to proceed. Because um, with new moons, it's not like we just go for it and you know we, we have to wax towards what we're developing. So uh, think of today as kind of like a seedling type of day. So on Thursday, our moon is now in sensitive cancer and will sextile Uranus, conjunct Mercury, oppose Saturn, and then trine Jupiter. Um, and we kind of have a, a, a bigger aspect going on this day that might shake things up a little bit. Um, and that is Venus, uh, now in Leo, who will be making a square to Uranus in Taurus. Uh, and once again, that Venus is those, you know, relating relationships, um, resources to an extent. Um, and squares always bring about events, some type of something that we have to take action on, something we're challenged with or frustrated with. And it's nobody's fault. We just have to kind of move through it. Um, and once again, Uranus is that planet of the unexpected, uh, you know, the shocks that come out of the blue or we're awakened in some way, or we are trying to free ourselves or liberate ourselves um, in some situation. And sometimes those can stir up storms of some sort. 
Uh, and because this is fixed fire and fixed earth, there's kind of a fixed quality to the square. And as we know with fixed signs, they don't necessarily like to move. Um, so it might not, it could be a, a bit of an uncomfortable shaking. Um, and as Venus deals in the relating department, chances are this day or those surrounding it, because, you know, it doesn't always happen right on this day, uh, may kick up a little drama in, in those areas. Um, there may be some impatience that gets fired up from a fixed point of view or that of another's. So in other words, it's like two people refusing to budge from their position. Um, this can create arguments, yet we can also actively get any grievances out into the open air if necessary. So just be aware that there may be a passionate pull to liberate ourselves in some way. And as long as the heart is aligned, uh, this could be a day to do it. Ultimately, this is a time to actively engage in new experiences, especially in relations and creative expression. Be open to whatever challenge may arise and find yourself awakened when you come out the other end of the lightning bolt. Because whenever we're in uh, contact with Uranus, chances are things just aren't necessarily the same afterwards. That's okay. We're meant to have that foundation sh shook a bit. Um, and I think with that moon connection with the new moon ruler Mercury uh, during the day, the early morning, I think that we're actually going to be waking up with our mind and our emotions on board for what needs to manifest or the direction that we're seeking. Um, and chances are, uh, especially with Mercury in Cancer and the moons in Cancer, um, emotions are kind of going to be driving the bus right now. So even though we have things that kind of shake us up, I feel like we're going to wake up with kind of a sense of clarity, or maybe that's where that awakening comes in, where we kind of know what we need to do in, in some way. Um, so the bottom line for Thursday is uh, feelings get sensitive and vulnerabilities may be up. If judgment or depression arises within, you know, within that unexpected that may arise, nurture yourself to work through it. Uh, relationships may be a little dramatic, causing tension that needs action in order to be liberated. So open up to that steady flow of growth and healing that is available during the evening when the moon trines Jupiter and Scorpio. So on Friday, we still have the moon in Cancer, and she will try Neptune and oppose Pluto. Um, and on that day, we have another aspect, and that is Mercury, who will be opposing Saturn, once again, that new moon ruler. Um, and so once again, we have that information collecting, you know, mercurial type of things, communications, talking it out, getting those emails. Um, and when we have an opposition, someone or something is causing you to make a decision or a choice. It's usually involving someone else than ourselves. Um, and sometimes that can be shadow material as well when we're kind of fighting our own selves. Um, and so Saturn represents structure, responsibility, commitment, authority building something, consolidating, uh, limitations of some sort, um, but also decision-making. And especially with Mercury opposing Saturn, I have a feeling this is going to be a very decisive day to some extent, or we'll be initiating uh, decisions because we have cardinal water meeting cardinal earth. Um, and so Saturn is in its dignity in, in Capricorn, um, and the moon is also helping Mercury out a little bit here. Um, so chances are security and practicality is going to be on the brain. 
Uh, we may go back and forth from feeling secure with our position and then not so much. Um, and so mental considerations kind of mis- mixed with those emotional thinking, because once again, we have mercury and cancer, may have us feeling a little depressed or isolated in some way, which can definitely happen when Saturn's involved. So if you do encounter, you know, being a little depressed or, you know, feeling like you're all alone in, in a situation or you're just out of touch or, you know, just got you down in some way, it, you know, you have a choice, you know, with that opposition to lift yourself up, you know, by looking at maybe how you're mental, how you're mentally processing what's going on um, and how maybe you can get a little bit more practical and realistic um, in your view, in your perspective, you know, because we are gaining uh, a, a new way of looking at things this week with that new moon in Gemini. So as the moon is now waxing into power, uh, the choices, uh, most likely internal choices that are being made, because, you know, Saturn is still retrograde, um, you know, this aspect can help paint the picture for what we materialize during this lunar month because it has a decisive quality and it's kind of interrelated. So try to look for the positive rather than dwelling solely on any difficulties that may be happening now as our perspectives are somewhat distorted in those areas, you know, Saturn touches down and especially with that emotional Mercury. Um, But the plus side here is that, you know, the mind is going to be more critical and more sharp Uh, So we can kind of get to work on any tasks or projects that need our attention. So if you need to make decisions, start, you know, planning things out, getting ahead of all this um, and, you know, starting to manifest those new moon intentions, this is a day where you can kind of get, get some work done or at least get all the ducks in a row to be able to do it. Um, So decision-making may be needed. And if you find yourself needing some advice, because sometimes that happens, uh, look to an authority figure because they might be able to help at this time, especially since Saturn is so dignified. Um, So reach out to others that know more than you um, to help you along. So the bottom line for Friday is there is a potential, again, for some inspiration and healing coming through the dream world early in the wee hours, because we do have that trine to Neptune super early on. Um, And then during the day, work through any insecurity or deep feeling that arises and keep your mind on the practical. Uh, It's an excellent time to get to work and make decisions based on intuitive information, Um, because we do have that moon very strong in Cancer and then Mercury also in Cancer. On Saturday and Sunday, luckily, we don't have any <laughs> added aspects. So I think a, a, a bulk of what we're going to be encountering uh, will be happening during the middle of the week through Friday. Um, so on Saturday, the moon is now in Leo, loving Leo, and will square Uranus, conjunct Venus, um, oppose Mars, and square Jupiter. Uh, so... This day could have a little, you know, some things that happen to it, uh, I most likely. So I guess the bottom line for Saturday is the day may start out a little on the lazy and kind of more pleasurable side, especially with that conjunction to Venus. Um, but later on, some irritability or drama may arise through encounters with others or society at large because we do have that Mars opposition. And Mars is slowing down to go retrograde very soon here and is very potent. Uh, so whenever the moon is contacting Mars, we are going to feel it. Um, So work through any impatience that arises and accept the challenge to grow and move beyond with that square to Jupiter. Uh, but on the plus side here, there is a kind of a fun party vibe in the air because we do have that moon in Leo, especially squaring Jupiter later on in the day. Uh, just watch for going overboard because, you know, that can certainly happen at this time.
So on Sunday, we still have the moon in Leo, uh, and she will sextile the sun. Um, and so I think this Sunday is going to be a, g- a good day. So if you need to get something done without any type of uh, issues, aim for Sunday. Because <laughs> um, the bottom line is inner conflicts lift, and harmony kind of reigns supreme on this day with that sextile to the sun. So take the opportunity to get emotionally in touch with your next moves. Communications and socializing with others will prove to be not only entertaining, but probably heartwarming as well. So I think Sunday is going to be a nice little cherry on top at the end of the week. So to kind of wrap it up, um, this week has a lot, lot of intellectual potential to it with the new moon in Gemini pushing us to develop our innovative ideas further. Um, there could be some relating challenges that come along, um, heralding a call for greater liberation from some fixed stances or viewpoints or positions we might take. Um, and then also making practical decisions that are necessary will help to secure this uh, new direction that we're going um, more, you know, have it more solid on this earthly plane. Um, so it seems like a very intriguing week ahead, uh, but with a lot of potential to kind of set some new, new things into motion. So let's look at the cards um, as they add another kind of unique dimension to what I just summarized earlier. And so this week I drew the King of Wands as the focus and the Magician as the grounding. And with the King of Wands as the focus, uh, this card is reminding us to embrace the power that lies within us all. So uh, if you are feeling inspired by something this week, you will need to potentially be bold and courageous in order to follow up on that passion. Um, And the king can also bring a little drama in action wherever he sets foot. So this is likely to be a week filled with some of those qualities as well, especially as we'll have that moon in Leo, we'll have Venus moving into Leo, and then squaring Uranus. So just, just know that that can be here as well. Um, but you know, the King kind of says to me, uh, to, you know, quote the wise Isley brothers, it's your thing, do what you want to do essentially. So focus on your goals and how to direct your power to achieve them because it's only, it's up to us to kind of get it done and follow the, well, you know, whatever passion that arises within. Um, and it, you know, sometimes it can seem a little risky to follow what is currently inspiring you, but sometimes you got to take chances to bring greater vitality into your life. And I think that the King might be sending that message this week. And so with the magician as the grounding, I feel that this card also reinforces the power of initiative, um, you know, that much more. Uh, The magician is all about manifestation and the concentrated focus of a goal by tapping into our inner and outer resources. Uh, So essentially, it's time to get results. So listen to that inner directive and then go do what you need to do. You know, once again, (laughs) it's your thing. Do what you want to do. Just use your talents and your creative impulses to help pave the way. So I really like these two cards together for this week. Seems very encouraging. Um, And last but certainly not least, this show is brought to you by this week's animal ambassador, the lynx. The lynx is all about discernment and looking beyond the immediate appearances that surround you. And especially with Mercury opposing Saturn this week, we may have to kind of look 
past the reality of today to see the potential in the future of tomorrow. Um, and I think we're going to be getting in touch with what that future looks like during the summer as Mars goes retrograde. Um, just FYI there. <laughs> so, you know, take the time to tap into a more, you know, your more instinctual or intuitive cues to help guide you. You know, try to take in all the sensory information without immediately judging the situation as, you know, looks can be deceiving at this time. Um, So ultimately the truth, you know, that deeper truth of the situation is likely to be hidden right now. So don't rely solely on the obvious uh, in whatever it is that you encounter this week. Now, if you'd like to go deeper with how the energy of the week will interact with you personally, I encourage you to check out my tarot subscription on Patreon. Whether you're just starting your journey with the cards or you're a seasoned expert, the weekly spread can be of immense help to get a personalized overview for the week. So every Sunday, I release a short video outlining the custom spread while also encouraging you to share your cards and your questions. Uh, gain insight as to what to look out for because basically I'm combining the astrology of the week with the, with purposeful card placement. So that way you get a little more detail and you know, what what's Venus square Uranus for me? Um, and I also highlight a crystal each week and an inspirational quote to kind of pair it all together in a nice little package. Um, and so while I was off air, I was still doing the tarot subscription. And last week we worked on listening to spirits call. So we had all those Neptune um, transits last week. Um, And then this week, of course, we're going to work on that new moon. Uh, So if you want to find out more, you can check out a sample spread at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. Okay, now let's meet our guest. All right, I'd like to thank my guest for being here, Jack Marsh. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing super well today, Mel. How are you up to? I am I'm doing all right, trying to get awake here. <laughs> it's been a busy week. I don't know about you, but it is... It Absolutely. Is. Getting back to normal life after UAC, it's been a little crazy. Yes, and we will talk a little bit about that. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of how I know Jack is uh, I met him at UAC. Um, and what that is, is the United Astrology, Astrologers, Astrology Conference. United Astrology Conference. Yes, with a Y. <laughs> I should know this. <laughs> um, and we made fast friends in a class uh, on Mars, which is very appropriate for my Martian self. And uh, I loved him so much. I was like, you have to join me on the podcast. So um, yeah. So Jack, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Absolutely. Well, I have always been into astrology since I was a kid. Uh, It started um, pretty early on because I am an early Gemini and I have two wonderful younger siblings and my younger brother is actually an Irish twin, which means we're born within 13 months of each other. He's a late Gemini son. And so we actually were the Irish twins that are both in the sign of the twins. And so we were, and it, it is sort of funny because I have a lighter hair color and I have green eyes and he has jet black hair and blue eyes. But otherwise, we uh, we look both strikingly similar, but at certain points in our life, we look like almost like we're not related. So we have this really interesting synergy of being twin-like in many ways, but also you know, early on, we got into the idea of cusp people because I'm closer to the Taurus cusp Mm. and he's closer to the cancer cusp. And we actually got validation later when I started reading charts um, in college when I was about 20 years old. Uh, I 
looked at our charts and I noticed that, well, we're not actually cusp sons, either of us, but he is actually a cancer rising. I was going to ask that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And my chart ruler, so my Mercury is in Taurus. So it brings, it actually brings those cusp qualities into our Gemini sons. And so that was definitely an interesting journey growing up. We're actually great friends now, my brother and I, but, you know, being, being the twins growing up was, uh, it, it taught us a lot of life lessons in the Gemini style very fast. Oh, that's so funny. I've never, A, I've never heard Irish twins before. That was hilarious. <laughs> and <laughs> how funny was that? How um, validating is astrology once you, you know, spend your life uh, with a brother that you're like, okay, we have these similar characteristics, but we don't at the same time. And then all of a sudden you see, oh, cancer rising with the moon and such and such. And you're like, oh, it makes so much sense. Well, we have those differences. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it just kept going from there. So I started looking at my whole family's charts. And the one thing that really got me like, you know, to think that I absolutely have to follow through on studying astrology was my, um, actually my grandmother. And she, uh, she is a Capricorn son, but my whole life growing up, I knew the time of year she was born and I knew she should be a Capricorn. But every time I was asked, I would say she's a Taurus. And then finally casting her chart, she has her moon exalted in Taurus. And as a grandchild, I would, it makes total sense that I would be seeing the light of her loving moon. And so I was seeing the light of her Taurus moon. And that's why, even though I knew the dates of her birth in my mind, and I knew it was Capricorn from like literally age seven, I was saying, no, she's a Taurus. And that was really huge. Yeah, you you just knew you had a, that's that's hilarious because my uh, my special grandma in my heart as well is also a Capricorn son, um, so maybe something about Capricorn grandmas who knows? But she has a Sagittarius moon, which yes, definitely definitely a different beast. <laughs> definitely a different exciting beast. Yes, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> well, we could say so. Um, so yeah, Jack's over in Washington D.C. Right, you're in the states. I'm in the District of Columbia. If you want to get a technical about it. I'm in Northern Virginia, but if you say Virginia to anyone, it conjures very different images than the district. <laughs> so I really, I'm a spitting distance from DC and uh, it's really a fabulous spot to live. So we're having a bi-coastal conversation right now. That's How Gemini really, is that? I know we are on two coasts, <laughs> coast to coast right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's wonderful. So I'm so glad to have you here because the second I started talking to you at UAC, um, I don't know, you just... We had such a beautiful connection. We We had, mm -hmm. and it was so poignant that we met during a Mars lecture. We went to like get some deeper insights into Mars and its cycle in the sky. And uh, Mel's Mars is actually in Gemini, and I am a double Gemini, Gemini ascendant, Gemini sun, born right at dawn. So for me, there's a lot of mixing of those energies, and we'll definitely talk about that a little later. Yes. (laughs) Um, But it's so funny that, you know, we just, we literally ended up sitting next to each other. And I think our Marses are actually in the same cycle of Mars. We both are. That's right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that, I mean, and that was totally, and you have such a martial look with your beautiful red hair and blue eyes. It's a very sort of sunny, (laughs) uh, yes, ascendant ruler kind of Martian look. I love it. 
Which is funny you say that because um, uh, when we look at people in astrologically what they might look like, like, here I am a Scorpio rising. And so most Scorpio risings, you're going to think that they're probably have darker hair, maybe, you know, darker, curlier, more of like a dramatic type of look. Um, I got the curves. I, I had that, <laughs> but I got this red, you know, light hair. And I kind of always wondered, even before I started getting into more traditional astrology that helps explain those things more. I kind of wondered, I'm like, well, where's the Scorpio ascendant? Why don't I look like, you know, um, and then it all made sense. I'm like, oh, Mars and Gemini is driving my chart and my hair apparently. So <laughs> it was wonderful. Um, so, well, today we're going to talk about post UAC 2018. So we're just going to mm-hmm. share a little what we thought, um, for those who maybe went, and I'm, I'm sure many of the people that listen to this podcast probably didn't. And so we'll just give you an idea of what that's like getting together with 1500 plus uh, astrologers or people that study astrology. Um, and then we're going to talk about that new moon in Gemini, which of course I had to have Jack on for a new moon in Gemini when we have a <laughs> Gemini here, who's going to know best. Um, <laughs> so let's start out with our, our UAC experience. Um, and so we did say United Astrology Conference. It was in Chicago, um, from, uh, May 24th to May 29th. So it was like a week or so ago now. And, um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I had my own struggles, which is a whole nother thing. Um, it was mildly chaotic, but in a good way. Uh, so I mean, Jack, what did you think about it all? Uh, it was for anyone that really is interested in astrology, either as a student, uh, for personal fulfillment, or if you want to get into consulting, uh, consulting clients uh, with astrology, you must attend UAC at least once in your life. It's like the Olympics for astrologers. <laughs> I mean, and, and the environment is so beautifully um, about the assimilation of information, about networking, about connecting. There were so many people from so many different countries and cultures and backgrounds getting along and having such a fabulous time. Um, it really just speaks to how we were talking the universal language of energy with each other and really getting past each other's differences and seeking the ways within our collective on how we are the same and the patterns we can see within each other. And that was totally beautiful to bear witness to. Yeah, it's it was certainly a tribe coming together in, in many ways, which is so funny. Like you're saying, so many people came um, from all over the world. And even if you, you have maybe some slight language differences, you are, you still speak the same language, the same astrological language. Um, so it like bridged a lot of barriers and brought people together from all over. Um, and I mean, yeah, I met a wonderful lady from Israel named Gita and she's like, Oh, come yes. visit me. You got to visit me. Um, <laughs> and maybe one day I will, who knows? And then, uh, some, um, Cassandra Tyndall came out from Australia. She gave a lovely lecture on aversion, um, which is a traditional technique. Um, there was some good we were in that class together we were in that class together and that was such a funny thing yeah Yeah, we didn't plan it and the the amazing thing about it was so much reinforced by all of the astrological coincidences yes i had sort of you know everyone forms a, a few friends or uac colleagues that you sort of end up coming back to and hanging out with after and maybe getting a drink at the bar after with or getting a nice lunch with and getting a deeper connection to and you were certainly one of those people for me, Mel. And it's so funny that every lecture that I think we planned over texting to meet up at, 
we actually didn't meet up at. And yeah. we, we did end up being in basically a lecture every day, minimum, together. It was sort of when we had it unplanned and we would just sort of show up in a room and say, oh, Mel's here. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jack's here. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, it shows that we are interested in the same things also. Yes. Um, so that being said, what... Uh, what would you say is your, I mean, it's hard to choose, I'm sure, but who, what was your favorite lecture? Who was your favorite speaker? Well, the Mars lecture we met in, that's a, that's a great question. And I sort of have uh, more than one answer for that. A very Gemini quality. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the Mars lecture we were in was very revelatory for me because my Mars is actually up in my 10th house in Pisces, Gemini rising. Um, and for whatever reason, years of studying astrology, years of giving people readings, there's always a certain blindness to one's own chart. Oh, yes. Just like a psychic, can't read themselves kind of thing. Uh, you get so much more information when you just give someone else the reins and let someone tell you about yourself. And my Mars, in, in a very Piscean quality, had remained sort of mysterious to me. I totally understood how the rest of my chart worked after years of study and people talking to me about it and me talking about it myself. But... Mars was really such a mystery, and us being there together in that lecture revealed to me so many things about my own Mars that I couldn't tell myself, mm. and that was really profound, so that really stuck with me. Yeah, oh, I love it, and that was a great lecture. That was by Adam Gainsburg, um, yes. and we're hoping to get him here in San Diego for our Astrological Society eventually here, because um, <laughs> I really enjoyed that talk, and I mean, obviously, I I'm, I'm, have a Mars-driven chart, so I need all the help I can get, because <laughs> it's not necessarily... Uh, the most friendly aspect or planet in my, <laughs> in my chart. It's kind of my Achilles heel in many ways. Um, so it was wonderful, like you said, to kind of get, gain a little bit more insight into, I mean, granted, it's not that Pisces mystery, which that makes a lot of sense, you know, like this kind <laughs> of, I can't quite put my finger on what this, this Mars is all about. Um, but learning that we were both in the same phase, because that's what the... Um, that's what the talk was on, was uh, basically the phases of Mars. And so even though you have Mars uh, qualities, you know, those, uh, that motivation, that desire, what propels us forward, those types of things, and in different signs, you know, how we go about these things, then you have a phase that can come on top of it and kind of also uh, dictate how that Mars operates. And so I think we were in the exploration phase, was that? That is correct. Your right? exploration phase that um, Adam compared to, you know, the labors of Hercules. When the young person is going out and living through all of these challenging trials and triumphing usually, and when triumph doesn't occur, you know, the lessons that are learned there in where we can't push the boundaries of life, but we constantly seek to assert ourselves and to uh, uh, you know, inject energy into the things that we're doing. There's a lot of get up and go to that martial quality. Um, and we both share that, even though they're in different signs and the methodology is a little bit different. We absolutely, as your chart ruler, and then again, as being in my 10th house, you know, that's, a yes. pretty, and that's an, as an axial point, that's fairly mm -hmm. important. Um, we really were jiving on our martial energy <laughs> together, for sure. <laughs> I know. Well, I got Mars square Saturn, exactly. So I need, and, and it's not the bending of my, my nodes um, for people <laughs> that know a little bit more astrology. So yeah, I need all the help I can get in that realm. And it was so <laughs> hilarious hearing him say, you know, finding the line of pushing the boundaries and seeing how far you can go through this exploration phase. And Lord knows I have pushed some boundaries from time to time, especially, <laughs> especially with other people people. Um, and Woo. so that was, that was rather hilarious, um, to, 
to me. So yeah, it, it was validation, but at this, I was like, oh, no wonder I do these types of things. And, but I have to learn where to kind of draw the line because unless you know, um, yeah. So the awareness, so key. <laughs> awareness, self-awareness. I know it's the key. It's the key to owning ourselves and um, being in touch with our higher self. Yes. And that's really what that martial energy is about, isn't it? It's playing through all of the the younger, uh, more youthful life lessons uh, in order to come to know our higher self better, just as, uh, you know, uh, oh, maybe it was Einstein, I don't want to misquote anyone, but, uh, uh, you know, we learn the most from our mistakes. Yeah. And it's by having mistakes, you know, you can have 101 mistakes and still know more about yourself than having one success with no mistakes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mistakes is what gets you closer to self-actualization because until you know what you are not, <laughs> you can't know who you, who you are. Like you know, <laughs> you have to, It is kind of that, you know, playing the field to some extent and kind of testing those, those boundaries or testing, you know, those directions, to see what best works. So, um, and not everyone's in the exploration phase as well. It just happened to be Jack and I, um, but uh, <laughs> there were many, how many, I think there was like 30, 13 phases yeah. of Mars that he listed. Yeah. yeah. And so it was a fascinating lecture. And I'm looking forward to when he has a, a book out on that. Um, I got his Venus book, which is the same concept, but I've, I've yet to have the time to dive in. <laughs> it's barely been a week, darling. So. I know. I know. My Capricorn moves. I like, get on it. You better hurry up. Um, yeah. So, all right. So Adam, that was a great, uh, his lecture was great. Anybody else? Fabulous lecture. And then, well, the aversions lecture you mentioned for those that weren't at UAC, we finished early and the uh, lecturer, Cassandra, who was so fabulous, she said, does anyone have some aversions in their chart that we can throw up? Oh yeah. And I have like five five of my seven traditional planets are in aversion. And so I raised my hand and she happened to call on me. And that those 15 minutes of being read in front of that class was, um, it was very vulnerable, but it was actually something that I had set my intention for going to UAC. Mm. I had attended in order to network with other fellow astrologers, in order to learn some new techniques and enhance my readings for other people to help more people. And then thirdly, I wanted to have some revelations about myself for Absolutely. myself. And that's, I think, a part of what everyone goes to one of these conferences for. And be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> I got exactly that. And, um, you know, I had to go home and, and sleep for 11 hours after that <laughs> because I had, to, I had basically a personality shattering experience. As someone that has been to therapy in my past in order to improve myself, it felt it felt like you do after you have a breakthrough in a therapy session. I mean, seriously. Well, and that's kind of what astro. I mean, that's the way I look at astrology um, is just that. I mean, we don't do it solely on a psychological plane, especially if you're more of a traditional astrologer. But at the end of the day, when you're learning about yourself, like the idea is to break through and have more self-awareness and to have the moments that, like you said, I had to take a minute. I had to take this all in because this is information that, you know, would help me process who I am. And boy, did you have a chart full of aversion. Um, for those who don't know what aversion is, is. It's it's basically when a planet is uh, say your chart ruler. Say you have um, I can say my chart ruler. Or do you have the same? Yeah, yes, I do. So l I'll just use my example because we go for you know, it. We did the We're already thing. talking about it, <laughs> right? Exactly, girl. So if you have an aversion, basically what it means is that you're uh, if you're using modern angles, 
for, uh, the, the chart ruler of a sign is either a semi-sextile or quincunx to where the ruler is. Now let's break that down for a second. <laughs> all that, yeah, all that that means, for example, for my example, is that I have a Gemini ascendant. And my Mercury, the planet that rules Gemini, is in my 12th house in Taurus. Now, because Taurus and Gemini are right next to each other, that's actually sort of like a blind spot. Sort of like if you're standing in a circle with your friends, a complete circle, you can't exactly see the people that are shoulder to shoulder with you. There's sort of that and then the quincunx, which is if you have your ascendant, you go to the opposition and then either side from the opposition. So if I had my Gemini ascendant in the first, that would mean my aversive houses are 12, 2, and then across the chart in eight and six. Mm -hmm. So those are the places where if the ruling planet of my ascendant was to be either, if the ascendant is the sign of choice, Gemini, if Mercury is in the 12th, the second, the eighth, or the sixth house, then it can't quite see the house that it rules or owns. And so it creates the sort of energy where the inner eye of one's higher self uh, has a tendency to close mm. on your more youthful inclinations. And so despite one's best intentions or best efforts, one can behave especially youthfully or with a higher level of naivete if you're in aversion. And I had several aversions and it was really enlightening because otherwise I have a few fairly classical markers of a strong chart. And so part of my journey with astrology has been, well, I know there are weaknesses in my chart. I know I'm a human being and I, I've experienced a life that, in which I have encountered challenges that I've had to overcome. And when you find a weakness in your chart with astrology, which is so beneficial, it serves as a grand metaphor for how that energetic speed bump manifests for you in your life. Mm. And so by really learning about aversions, I was woken up to an entire process internally that w has been happening, but that I was a bit blind to. Boy, ironically enough. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty huge. It was pretty huge for my self-understanding. And it was so cool to live through that moment with you. And honestly, it felt a little comforting to have my conference friend there because I had to very much own my Gemini Leo Moon self, my double Gemini Leo Moon self in front of a public situation. And uh, your supportive presence there <laughs> really helped me to, you know, make humor out of the humility. Yeah. And well, and you had such a great example. And I mean, I went and looked at my chart and I have pretty solid examples myself. I have a lot of aversion. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is all really coming together. Um, what I really liked what she said, uh, and we won't talk about this too long, but I really liked, I mean, as a woman, she was talking about um, so your fifth house, uh, is, is kind of the area where you would see maybe kind of child, uh, activity, children and such. And so the idea is that a lot of people that have their fifth house ruler in aversion to the fifth house might not necessarily have or want, um, children. There's, right. you know, there are, there's that, that's kind of the blind spot. And my fifth house ruler is in aversion and I have never, I mean, since day one, I was never holding a dolly. I was like, I just did not interest me. And, you know, as, as women today, you know, there is some, a bit of a stigma around that, you know, oh, you don't want to have children or, you know, what if you're going to regret it? Well, you know, I just watched a <laughs> video on this the other day. Um, but it was, it was very validating to see even that, that aversion of why maybe I don't want these things, you know? 
in life. So it was, it was an interesting experience and I'm, I'm glad that, I'm glad she came all the way from Australia to talk to us about this. So that was great. Um, mm-hmm. And what so, a great personal revelation for you. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show how much you can get out of every single lecture and there are four to five lectures every day and you have oh. almost 12 choices at UAC. You have to go. If you're, it's on, if you're on the fence about it, it'll be in the next, um, Three to five years. Yeah, so you got some time. <laughs> you got some time, but but work up to it because if you have a deep interest in astrology, you got to go. You got to go. And you're going to make some fabulous friends. That's right. And if you don't <laughs> want to wait that long, uh, there's other conferences that go on. There's a SOTA in, in Buffalo, New York, I believe, yep. um, and NORWAC, which is a big one over in Seattle, uh, which I'm going to try to jet out to for their next one. Um, and so they pop up in different places. So you don't have to wait that long, but this is kind of like Jack was saying, it's kind of the Olympics. It's, it's a big deal. Like there's so many people. Oh my goodness. So many. It was overwhelming. Like I, (laughs) and you had such, I just want to say too, because it was so funny. You had so many different types of people there. You had everybody from the people that, that, you know, the average citizen might imagine goes to an astrology conference. Yeah. You had like the, the beautiful hippies that have never cut their hair in like the last 10 years and they have crystals around their necks and peace, love and harmony. And then you have people that look like, you know, average citizens or young people or moms or dads just walking around almost like, you know, it would be uh, any kind of job fair or anything else like that. And then you had people running around in three-piece suits, all the market astrologers there. Oh, yeah, I was going to say all the finance astrologers. <laughs> <laughs> I know, which, you know, which is such a, a, funny, a funny thing that most people never even consider that people could apply astrological reasoning to market investment decisions. And you have some pretty remarkably successful financial um, astrologers and market astrologers out there. And they have really identified certain trends that has enhanced our understanding of political astrology and the mundane applications Mm -hmm. of how astrology really affects world events. And those were some of the cool lectures too, that I dropped in on a handful of those. And I don't know if you did Mel, but, um, we abs- I mean, everybody basically by the end of the conference is on board. In case you don't know, astrologically, uh, the world is in a bit of a downward trend until about the mid-2020s, at which point, um, at like 2026, 27, and the new uh, sort of halcyon period for the world, a period that would resemble the late post-World War II 50s or the early 90s, the early to mid-90s, is going to happen in about 2030. So that is a, that is like a 10-year forecast from now, but take heart in that a little bit too. Know that, yeah, it's not so easy now, but the best times in quite a long time are coming up here in a few years. And we're, I mean, for, for us, that's going to be really great for our timing life-wise because we're going to be hitting, you know, the period of our lifetimes where we want to really take a step back and relax a little more. And the global economy and uh, society is probably going to be more receptive and open to yeah, those kind yeah. of things. Yeah. Oh, no, I like that. That's, that makes, um, we, well, one can hope. We can hope that it's, <laughs> but it would make a lot of sense. You know, obviously life is about dips, ups and downs, whether it's personal or world related. And I find mm-hmm. mundane astrology fascinating. That's kind of one of my 
that's one of my most interests, to be honest, with astrology. Like one of the best uh, lectures I was in was Benjamin Dykes talking on traditional mundane astrology um, yeah. and going through um, just just how people approach uh, figuring out events back then. It's so uh, it's very complicated. <laughs> it's so complicated. I can't. Eat, I'm not even going to begin to get in there. But I just find that fascinating because we. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just interested. I'm interested in the world because the world affects us. You know, what is around us and, you know, the, the economy, the types of, you know, uh, technologies that we have now, if people, if we are in warring factions, you know, all this energy, you know, essentially we're, we're all one, <laughs> get that Pisces <laughs> note in there. We're all one people. Um, but, uh, so understanding, you know, what's kind of happening in the world and kind of taking heart in these cycles that happen. Um, just helps, I don't know, helps me understand myself as a better, as a person basically through it yeah. all. Um, and to not get so up in arms and what's going on in the world, because we tend to feel a little, uh, hopeless or helpless when, you know, things don't, especially in today's world, as you say, we're essentially in a lot of decline right now, but for a reason we have to decline in order to, you know, reassess and re rebirth in many ways. Right. So, um, but yeah, overall, you know, if you were okay, we'll wrap up. Wrap up. We'll wrap up. UAC <laughs> right here. If you were to give UAC twenty eighteen one word, what would it be? Community. Mm, perfect word. Perfect word. That's exactly what it was. All right. Well, we'll end that. We'll end that on that. There's that uh, Mars in uh, Aquarius right now. <laughs> We want to talk about community. We met a Mars lecture while Mars is in Aquarius um, and slowing down right now. But that's a yes. That's a whole. I, I don't know if anybody's feeling that. We're about to hit Mars <laughs> retrograde on uh, June 26th, I believe, is when that happens. Especially um, you fellow day chart people. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Your day chart, right? No. Absolutely. Yes. Born yes. right at dawn. Oh, right at dawn. You're like, like exactly. Duck into the day. You're like, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> And I am a day chart as well. So Mars, if you were born during the day, um, so basically when the sun uh, was above the horizon or it was light out, you know, between dusk and dawn, dawn and dusk, <laughs> other way around. Either, right? either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. If the sun was shining and you could see it, um, you are a day chart, which means Mars is very important uh, in a way that can be um, frustrating. Really? Yeah, frustrating, but also when you seize the reins, the mm-hmm. most constructive. It's like a square energy, an yes. enhanced square. It, it it creates a lot of a lot of motion and a lot of waves. But if you get good at boogie boarding, man, can you have fun? Ah, I love it. I, <laughs> yeah, so that's basically slowing down to retrograde. And I have a feeling that I'll be talking about that next week on the podcast, as that's that'll be the time. So thank you for giving me my next topic. <laughs> as we talk about Perfect. this, um, and that's going to be retrograde through the summer. Um, and we just did a run, a wonderful talk at our astrological society last night about these retrogrades. Cause we have that, we have Venus going retrograde later in the year. Um, and then Mercury sandwiched between that. So there, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of, uh, reviewing and going back and kind of holding space for most of this year before we 
Yeah, as a society, we're definitely um, uh, hitting a time where people are going to be deeply reflecting on their professional selves, mm-hmm. how they're asserting their will into the world, and also at home, their lives with their partners, the home environments they're creating for themselves, and the kind of love they're extending into the world and what they're attracting. And then to top it up with Mercury right in the middle of there, the processing and the consideration that's going to be needed to understand that sandwich of first realigning one's professional self with one's personal uh, ideals, ideas, and desired action, processing time with Mercury retrograde in order for one to then address one's home, one's home life and one's love life. Yeah, so get ready to re-re and address all these things (laughs) for the rest of the, until November basically is when we will um, well, that's a, that's a whole nother thing. Well, um, yes, but it actually really fits all within yeah. the time period of this new moon to full moon cycle of Gemini, new moon to Gemini, full moon, because the full moon happens in Gemini on November 23rd, one day after the sun goes into Sagittarius, um, and, a f- and uh, sandwiched between a few other astrological events. So we're really talking about a topic that's going to be relevant for the next six months even considering all of the planetary ingresses and retrogrades that we're going to be experiencing. Mm, that's a good point because um, when we do have these new moons, which we're about to talk about the new moon in Gemini, there is a, a manifestation process that takes time as these, these new moon ideas and seeds that we plant develop. And usually it's kind of got a six month period. I mean, give or take uh, when it has the full moon in the opposite in in the sign where it's basically apexing uh, to that same energy. So that's a great point, Jack. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why, why we're have... on the show. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you're fabulous. We get to have, I know, getting in conversations with astrologers, that's what we found at UAC that we're really bringing to the table here. And we both, you know, everyone has a different vantage point on astrology and we can always enlighten our brothers and sisters in this world to other uh, angles of the truth. Yeah, because you can't get it all. Like that's the thing is there's <laughs> there's so many ways to look at it, and that's kind of where the you know that's the fun of it. That's where the philo- philosophical approach comes in. But the one thing I would say real quick about UAC that um, I mean I kind of knew, but I really started to understand was how many different types of astrology there is. There is a lot of different, I mean, even alone, each, so basically UAC runs on tracks. So each lecture period of a, an hour and 15 minutes had 18 tracks running at the same time. So A, choosing was somewhat difficult right. at times, um, yeah, especially, yeah, if you, if you got any Libra energy, forget about it. <laughs> You're like, um, they all sound great. They all sound great. Um, and so... I, I kind of branched out with a couple different lectures. I did went to some symmetrical astrology lectures, uh, which is not necessarily my thing at all. But I was interested. I'm like, if there's a time to be, uh, you know, if you're interested in anything, in the a time that was the time to kind of pursue it enough to see if you want to pursue it more. And of course, I got in there and I was like, trans Neptunian, what? I, you know, it's not my thing. But, um, but. It it helps put it in perspective. Yeah, we're all this one tribe coming together talking about the planets. But even within us, there's so many different factions. Um, And so that's fascinating as well. It is. And it absolutely is. And it's it's just like going to um, a place where people speak a bunch of different foreign languages. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't really say that German is better than French. 
or that Russian is somehow better than uh, Korean. They're just different languages with different grammatical syntax, mm-hmm. and they're speaking similar messages to us. It's whether or not you can read it in that format. And that was really a cool thing to experience too, was people talking to you um, from different angles and you getting c- deeper insights or just uh, reaffirmed affirmations uh, that that reinforced what you already knew about yourself astrologically, but from a totally different perspective. I know it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. How do you, how do you take it all in? (laughs) I don't know. I'm still reeling. Um, Yeah, but not, not, yeah, I'm not going to get that. Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about this new moon in Gemini. Gemini. So we have a new moon in Gemini on Wednesday, June 13th. Um, It's going to be 22 degrees and 44 minutes. Uh, it'll be 1243 PM here in, uh, on, on Pacific land, (laughs) um, which will be what? 343 out there for you. I think that's correct on Wednesday. And so it's, I welcome this, uh, new moon a, because the last one in Taurus with Mars squaring Uranus, not, not the best new moon chart. Uh, so I'm sure many of you, (laughs) man, Come on, get it out there. <clears throat> Got a little throat. Um, uh, yeah, so to- uh, the Taurus new moon chart, which was funny because the Aries new moon chart had us going and going. And I was like, oh, please, Taurus, stable out. And then I looked at the chart and I'm like, Mars square, Uranus, are you kidding me? And Uranus so, in Taurus, and, like impressing? Yes. Well, they squared in the chart. Um, at 29 degrees of cardinal signs of Capricorn. Oh, so the, the energetic signature that was taken was at those critical degrees, um, which made it even more, you know, had kind of an explosive quality to it. But, you know, I've been not had a moment at all. It's been on the go. I've had to push past many comfort zones in the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you've uh, experienced that at all. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. We got, we got a confirmation. There's a solid confirmation. Um, and so I'm hoping that I think this new moon in Gemini has a lot of promise and potential to it um, in in many ways. I mean, there's still some aspects going on, but Jack, what do you think, especially with your Gemini uh, life filter? <laughs> I know, right? I definitely have a good handle on the Gemini energy as a, as a Gemini ascendant and sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the new moon here, I think, is going to really give us our first opportunity to process. The next half year period is going to be really about assimilating all of these new feelings and information because Gemini, again, Gemini is the wellspring of all information, all information. Virgo might sort and study that info, but Gemini is from whence it came. Mm. And it is all information. So yes, it is things as frivolous as the girls gossiping at, at the local bar uh, on The Real Housewives. <laughs> that information could be as deep as the Harvard Library yeah. as well. It is all information. So that's a lot for everybody to process and sort. And we're being called upon with the last Aries new moon and the last Taurus new moon and then Uranus ingressing into Taurus. We're being shook up. We're being shaken up as a society and a populace, uh, a global society, and we're being asked to reevaluate the way we live in the world, the way we take action in the world. And this is going to be our first six months period where we're really given the capacity 
and the uh, opportunity to process this newness in a way that will deliver us to somewhere from which we can launch ourselves in a more uh, self-actualized and intellectually structured way. Mm, No, I, I like that a lot because processing makes so much sense because so much has happened I mean, if I were to be honest, so much has happened since uh, the eclipse back in February. Like, yeah. yes, it's, it's been nonstop. So that makes so much sense to have a time to process, to have a time to rebirth and gain perspective. Because that's the thing with Gemini too, is that Gemini is able, you know, it's, it's the thought process what we go in, how we reason, how we use logic in our lives. Um, and of course that comes with the filter of perspective. So unless you have, you know, depending on how you look at things, um, you know, dictates how you, you reason in life and how you take in information, how you sort information. Um, well, there's the Virgo getting discriminatory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I'm, if we're talking about new moons, new moons are time to, you know, kind of seed, right. Seed some intention. It's a, it's a birthing of energy that's just starting out. Um, and so we are seeding an intention that is Gemini like, um, so that's why it's kind of like the idea of new perspectives, especially since we have Mercury. Okay. Let's talk about some aspects to tie it kind of, you know, tie it together here, tie it all in there. Um, so our new moon ruler Mercury, uh, will have just moved into cancer. So we're getting a kind of a Mercury uh, mingling with the moon type of situation. Um, And it will be sextile Uranus. So here we have Uranus back in, uh, you know, having it say with some things. But I think that really gives us the opportunity to uh, have uh, certain insights come in or just uh, maybe, you know, rebirthing our perspective in some way, shape or form. Um, That's just one thought. But I mean, Jack, what do you think about what do you think about the sextile? I, I absolutely think so. Uh, the, the metaphor that comes to my mind is a physical one. And that's, say, for example, you have a pot, a pot full of dirt, and you don't have anything planted in it yet, but the, the dirt's dried out a bit, and you have an earthquake, which is Uranus and Taurus, and it shakes up everything, and it cracks the dirt, and it fragments things into chunks. The mercury uh, in cancer energy is like pouring water over that soil. Mm. It's going to help everything meld together again in a certain mm-hmm. way. It's going to connect us to the nourishing waters of life in, in a way that we feel as though we can sustain ourselves through this fragmenting change. And I think it's really beautifully timed with the new moon of which this mercury in cancer is going to be ruling. It brings that that aqueous water healing nurturing quality into the processing and yeah the reality of the situation is that all of us in the world right now are going through some major changes personally and on a societal level but this ingress is so beautifully timed um with mercury to connect us to the nurturing energies of cancer, to connect us to the universal home. And then through the Gemini new moon, start that process of processing. It almost feels like a a really well-timed therapy session or getting, getting, getting uh, in touch with the kinds of therapy that you need in order to heal from a realistic uh, shattering of your reality or breakup of one's understanding of the world and how it works. Mm, I like that a lot. And almost your own mundane reality or more like the physical thing, you know, what we're encountering here, uh, down, you know, even we have Gemini, which is more thoughts and airy, uh, mm-hmm. ideas, but that, 
you know, we're now we're getting down to, uh, I love the idea of melding it all together. What a good analogy. I'm like seeing the pot. It's like coming. (laughs) 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 No, it's, it's great. And I'm wondering if, um, you know, because obviously Uranus and Taurus as it's entering into this earth sign and Taurus is known for its stability, um, and kind of more rigid types of patterns of doing things, you know, clearly Uranus will be like that pot breaking up, you know, that soil, um, essentially. And so perhaps we are having more of that. I love that psychological, uh, idea where it's our own therapy in a sense where, um, you know, (laughs) which is great for cancer. Cancer's energy is the natural counselor in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that, Yes, we can kind of connect more with those energies. We can also connect more with our intuition. We can bring intuition and logic together um, so that we can kind of work through what's happened or where we're going or what we're putting out there. Because, you know, we Gemini also births ideas as well. So I think this is definitely a new moon where we're birthing uh, ideas or trying to in in into the world like so we're in this transitory state obviously because we're in a double-bodied sign of gemini um so even though we're having this new moon and we're initiating new things we're still initiating phases of transition right because it's mutable energy um and so then our next new moon in cancer will have more of a, a initiating uh type of cardinal feel to it so i'm thinking that um a, a lot of maybe some of the ideas that we've had, uh, you know, popping up uh, lately or, you know, for a direction or what we want to explore more or learn more about or, um, you know, some idea babies that have come in that want to be birthed in some way. Um, I feel like this might be the time to kind of take those insights uh, and and start to do what is necessary to develop them more, to eventually initiate them uh, in, into the world. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I actually, uh, I have a quote from Stephen Forrest's book that I absolutely love. Love him. Uh, His book, The Book of the Moon. And he really goes into depth about the cycles of the moon in there. And there's one quote that always stuck with me when I first read it. And it's about the new moon. And I think it's a perfect analogy or a perfect uh, representation. His quote is that a new, the new moon is about, quote, a new beginning that gives no evidence at all of its existence. Mm. So this spark of the change we're experiencing really is on a cerebral level or behind the scenes place. And it will develop and manifest and become more outwardly noticeable the closer we get to the Gemini full moon uh, on the 23rd of November. And the perfect example of this, uh, like keeping in theme with the other energies happening at this time would be... uh, Imagine a beautiful person, male, female, he, she, or Z, they, whatever pronoun you prefer, um, got some beautiful trans friends in my life, so I have to acknowledge that, of course. Yes, I as well. So a beautiful person lays down, imagine you're watching a movie and a beautiful person lays down in their bed and their, their hair is perfect and they're laying in bed and they're looking at the ceiling and everything seems peaceful. And then flash forward an hour and they're still laying in bed, staring at the ceiling and everything seems peaceful. There's no apparent change, but on the inside, that person has just decided to say yes to their partner, Mm. to get married, to change their internal ego from I to we, to take on another person and become not just one, but a binary within the context of society for themselves and for others and for themselves. And so their entire world has changed. There is yet no physical evidence on the outside. 
It's just the same person lying in bed staring at the ceiling. And so that process, that seedling of change, is going to really ignite for us uh, this week with that new moon. And even though we won't have any physical manifestations yet of what that change will mean and what those considerations and how we intellectualize and consider the world, even though that won't have manifested in our material existence yet, it will begin to over the next six months and we will absolutely begin to see mundane, meaning everyday manifestations of that change as we approach late November. Mm, I love that. I love the idea of, well, that's just a great way to put it, um, of how much we can change and how much we can, uh, how much we can initiate in our lives by actually not even doing anything like having that, you know, awareness shift or making that decision, uh, about something. And, uh, we, then we set the course essentially, um, and that really fits in well with the Mercury sextile Uranus as well, because um, it, that's kind of an electric aspect that can help bring in those fresh perspectives and those new insights and those moments that can be like a aha, like, oh, well, I'll do this or, oh, now I understand this or yes. Yeah, so I, I think that's a great way of putting it. And in, in those moments, we change mm-hmm. on the smallest of level, but we all have to start somewhere. Right. And so that's yes. kind of the idea. Um, now how about, how about we throw in, uh, old Venus at 29 degrees cancer, who's about to square Uranus. Let's add another <laughs> little element. It's not the, it's not the Ooh. ruler, but you know, that's basically the next day after the new moon, we have, um, Venus at, uh, she'll be at one degree Leo by that time and squaring Uranus in Taurus. Um, right. what do you make about that? And I, uh, do I say that Venus will be conjunct your moon at the time? She she will be within <laughs> one and a half degrees conjunct my moon. That is right. <laughs> my moon at two degrees of Leo. <laughs> um, Venus Venus looks very different in her fiery Leo dress than she does in her mm. beautiful Cancerian gown. She is definitely. Um, we're going to be entering a time where we feel like we can make more of a stand for ourselves and our needs as uh, as a lover and as a person that connects people. If you're not in a relationship and not looking for one, this could equally be as uh, it applies to your family network or your best friends. Um, and it, it'll be about being able to own your own personality and personal character in a way that feels very empowering. And to embrace that energy from that perspective is a very Uranian thing already. Mm-hmm. So I think that having the perspective of you're allowed to feel free and to feel yourself when Venus is in Leo is an important quality because if that is not our perspective, then Uranus will make things happen that force us to realize that perspective. So it's always easier to embrace that energy of of allowing yourself to be a little more individuated. Uh, Venus in Leo is a little bit less about her typical connective self. It's a little bit more of the Aphrodite quality of radiating magnetism Mm. and allowing us all to step into the way we radiate magnetism, beauty, and universal love as it is appropriate from the context of our character. So let yourself see the strangers on the street as your brothers and sisters in this world. Let yourself understand your family network as a network that you're a part of and you're all growing together, but you all have to be your own unique persons to not be uh, codependent. I think that Venus in Leo has a very low tolerance for codependency. And if one has codependent 
uh, relationships or dynamics in one's life, especially with Uranus squaring that Venus right now, you're going to really have some things shaken up for you in a way that's going to be healthy for you as an individual, for you as a personal character, um, even if it might feel a little uncomfortable or like you're changing the scenery too fast. Mm. All of the dramatic metaphors for me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, and when Uranus is involved, the scenery can fly by. Yes. <laughs> you're like, one second you're here, you're like, I was just, you know, I hit, hit this exit. And then you're <laughs> down and you're like, what is going on here? Oh, those are great points. Absolutely. Um, because, and, and and when Uranus gets involved, chances are the, we are getting to the better place, mm-hmm. that more authentic place, especially with Venus in, in Leo. But sometimes things can be disruptive or need to be, or you'll, or you'll be disrupted yourself in order to realize these things or to step into um, that actualization a little bit more. Because both of these signs are, you know, personal based. Like Leo is definitely personal based. It's <laughs> very much about me and what I, what I want. And, um, and, and that's okay. Like that is what it's meant to be. Um, so I think that people will maybe with these in, new insights that are coming in, you know, with Mercury sextile Uranus and, you know, the new moon in Gemini having us really uh, think and process about things, chances are we might then make decisions or take action in areas that uh, that need to be liberated in some sense in order for this, this new perspective to kind of settle in mm-hmm. um, and to, for us to follow these breadcrumbs that we're kind of being led down. Um so it could definitely be disruptive, but it'll be freeing. That's the, that's the thing. It's like, don't try to control it or anything. It, it just let it happen um, and see it as a blessing in disguise in, in many ways, I think. Absolutely. If, if cancer is the tight-knit ensemble, moving fr- Venus moving from cancer into Leo is the opportunity to be the soloist, the leading actor, or the diva and own it. Mm. Hey, hey. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's perfect. Um, and those are, I mean, those are the two main ones going on that I saw. I mean, of course, our moon has just moved off that square to Neptune and that's far separating. I mean, it could have a little bit of influence, but I mean, I don't know. I it mean, is, what do you think? So we do have, we do also have the day before we have Mercury for just about 24 hours, a little over 24 hours joining Venus in Cancer on June 12th. Um, So Mercury does make a bit of that ingress and joins itself with Venus in Cancer surrounding that new moon in Gemini. And so for me, that really connects the uh, connective capacity of Venus in that feeling of a feeling out of one's family and home network with that processing that we're going to be doing. And I think it roots us even further still in that nurturing energy, that mercury ingress the day before into cancer. I know. And it's so interesting because yeah, it'll be at the very beginning. Well, it's interesting because at the beginning of a sign and the end of the sign, particularly the end is more of the critical degree, but either, either way they're, they're both ruled, um, uh, by malefics in, in, uh, traditional terms. Um, so that's that's interesting that one's entering this kind of not pressurized zone, but you know, it, whenever energy is just shifting, there's it's just that it's not not stable. It can be challenging, um, and mm-hmm. so it's interesting that they're both in these places of um, kind of a, a critical nature. 
Yes. I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but I hear what you're saying. So it's connected to the nurturing energy, but it still feels uncertain. Yeah. It's almost like when, when you're in a, when you're younger and you're in a distraught state, like you had a bad day at school and you come home and your parents tell you they love you and you know it, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, (laughs) you know, the nurturing energy is flowing and that it's there, but it doesn't feel like it. Gosh, darn it. Like it does, it doesn't quite feel like it yet. So let the new moon take you to that heady Gemini space of knowing with certainty, even when we want to feel it with certainty, we're not going to feel it with certainty because of all those transitional things happening with the Uranus approaching the square to Venus, with both Venus and Mercury on polar ends of cancer. So sort of blind to one another and also at critical degrees, enhanced degrees of cancer. Um, let yourself go to that heady knowing space that can be daydreamy when there's too much Neptune involved. But in this case, I think it's exactly where we need to go in order to be able to have a firm handle on uh, on our stability uh, because we're taking all of this windy instability happening through the critical degrees and we're taking it to a heady, windy place of the Gemini new moon and allowing seeds to take root and allowing things to be watered. Even if we don't feel the water, the rain is falling. Mm. Ah, perfect. Well, that I think that's an excellent way for us to wrap up our discussion on, on the new moon. <laughs> um, so, all right. Jack, where can people find you? What do you, what do, you do? Do you have anything to share with, you know... Absolutely. So um, uh, you can actually find me at GeminiJack.com. Uh, you can reach me uh, via email, jack at GeminiJack.com. Um, I am sort of redoing my website a little bit. It is there, but you'll notice if you look at it in the next week or so that I'm updating my logo. I'm getting some new layouts taken care of, but I'm absolutely there. I uh, do offer... Uh, astrological readings and tarot consultations. Um, you, uh, you can find those on my website. Uh, I really specialize right now. Most of my clientele are people that have less of a familiarity with astrology. So I would say that I'm adept at getting people uh, to have a handle on their astrology and to think about it in a more full circle, comprehensive way. Very Gemini. Gemini is the city. Come have a a fun conversation with me. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I, I absolutely help people that are interested but don't have very much information get in touch with their big three, as I call them, their sun, moon, and ascendant. And then the secret extra two, which are your midheaven, and then your ascendant ruler. Mm-hmm. What are they doing? How do they uh, affect one another? Um, I have worked with some more experienced astrologers as well now. So if you have been into astrology for a while and you have a good dialogue going on, we absolutely can still have a fabulous conversation. And I've done some work at festivals, and I'll be actually at a festival later this summer here in Virginia. I will be working at Floyd Fest mm. at the end of July, the last full weekend of July. I will be there with my fabulous friend, Connie McGee, who will be doing yoga instruction, Reiki healing, and body work. And I will be doing astrological readings. Usually, I've noticed at festivals, people want more of a condensed format. So as that date approaches, I'll be posting a list of my services that I'll be offering there. And uh, because, you know, people don't really want to sit down for an hour and a half reading at a music festival. (laughs) (laughs) There'll be shorter options available, a 15-minute condensed 
going to handle on your astrology. I'll have offerings to send people their charts if they don't have a copy. Um, and uh, I'll also be offering tarot consultations there. Um, I started doing festival work at Firefly uh, over in Delaware in 2016. And that was a huge success. You know, when you work at a festival, you're in an environment and around a group of people that are really open to the experience, even if they've never had one. Mm -hmm. Um, both for astrology and also psychic experiences, tarot, Reiki, mediumship, whatever people have to offer. You get all sorts at festivals. And it's really cool to see people that probably have never had a reading of any kind before step up to the plate and say, well, this is fascinating. And I got 15 minutes. Like, yeah, (laughs) let's let's do it. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that as well. So again, you can find me on GeminiJack.com, Jack at GeminiJack.com. Um, and if you're in Virginia, Maryland, Tennessee, North Carolina area, and you'll be here in late July and love great, uh, great music, especially great acoustic music, I'll see you at Floyd Fest. Oh, perfect. I love it. And I, I hear you on the festivals. I've, uh, <laughs> I love those types of things too. I actually have one coming up myself. So, um, so I guess maybe then I'll say where you can find me. Yes. Uh, well, you can find me at Interject energeticprinciples.com IG and Facebook as well Um, and I have of course my Patreon tarot subscription and the moon horoscopes which I'll have my new moon horoscopes up on Patreon here shortly Um, so if you're interested in becoming a patron to get those for a low monthly fee uh, you can do so at uh, patreon.com backslash energeticprinciples some of the things I have coming up if we're talking about festivals I'll actually Uh, this, well, next weekend, but it'll be this weekend when you're listening to it, (laughs) uh, the weekend, of the 16th and the 17th, I will be at uh, ship in the woods festival up in Escondido here in San Diego County, um, for both Saturday and Sunday, I'll be sharing a tent with some Reiki folks (laughs) and we'll just be doing those. Yeah. We'll be doing some of those, uh, short readings like Jack was saying. Uh, which are actually very fun. So if you uh, happen to be uh, going to that festival or want to come, I will be there. Um, But also of note, I have, I'll be teaching a beginning astrology uh, course. It's a workshop, three-hour workshop at Thread and Seed here in San Diego. It's called Decoding the Wheel, uh, Astrology for Beginners. Um, And it'll be from 6 to 9 p.m. on the summer solstice on June 21st, which is a Thursday. So if you're interested in that, um, it is uh, rather inexpensive to get started. And I think it's going to be a fun uh, little intimate course. So if you want to find out more, uh, hit up Thread and seed. I want to say threadandseed.com. There's also a link on my Instagram through, um, you know, that, that link and bio thing they have up there. So if you're interested in that, uh, I'd love to see you there on the 21st. Um, so, all right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Jack. It's been a pleasure. And I hope you'll be back sometime eventually here. I have had so much fun and I actually had a thought that maybe we should get together and compare some notes as to what has manifested around the full moon in Gemini in in late November around Thanksgiving. It's a date. Perfect. It's a date. I can't wait. (laughs) It's a date. Like I need any excuse to get it together with you. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you everybody for tuning in. And as always, may the stars be with you.